Hello, and welcome to the final report on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 30. In this episode, we'll continue chapter 8, Analysis of the Attack. Reading this portion of the report will be Jason Coe. So, without further ado, let's continue. The Initial Attack Within minutes of arriving at the Peace Circle, the Proud Boys and their associates launched the attack on the U.S. Capitol. The Circle is the site of the Peace Monument, a statue erected from 1877 to 1878 to commemorate naval deaths at sea during the Civil War with two classically robed women, one woman representing grief covering her face, and the other woman representing history. The woman standing in for history holds a tablet that reads, They died that their country might live. The Peace Circle's geographical location is crucially important for understanding how the January 6th attack unfolded. It sits at the end of Pennsylvania Avenue, just in front of the U.S. Capitol. At the conclusion of his speech at the Ellipse, President Trump directed rally attendees to march down Pennsylvania Avenue to the U.S. Capitol. Their shortest natural path would lead them right to the Peace Circle and to the northwest side of the Capitol grounds, also known as the West Plaza. By the time rally-goers arrived, the Proud Boys and their allies had already removed the fencing that stood in the crowd's way. As a result, thousands of people streamed into the restricted Capitol grounds with relative ease. When the Proud Boys arrived back at the Peace Circle at 12.49 p.m., they still had about 200 to 300 members, and many other protesters had joined them. Shortly after arriving, the Proud Boys incited the crowd with antagonistic chants such as, 1776. Officer Caroline Edwards, who was standing guard, explained to the select committee that the Proud Boys asked her and the other USCP officers if they could walk past the fencing and talk to the officers. No, she replied. The Proud Boys and others immediately turned on Edwards and her fellow officers, referring to them as Nancy Pelosi's dogs and shouting. At approximately 12.51 p.m., Quested captured a rioter named Ryan Samsel with his arm around Proud Boys leader Joe Biggs, who led the chants. Samsel subsequently claimed that Biggs encouraged him to push through the barricades and, when Samsel hesitated to follow through, Biggs flashed a gun, questioned his manhood, and repeated his demand to move to the front and challenged the police. Biggs has contested Samsel's version of events. After speaking with Biggs, Samsel breached the outer fencing of the peace circle at 12.53 p.m. The first set of fencing at the Peace Circle was staged on 1st Street Northwest, with the second set of fencing not far behind. Once Samsel breached the outer fencing, USCP officers, including Officer Edwards, moved from their posts to meet Samsel and other rioters. In less than a minute, at 12.54 p.m., the rioters pushed USCP officers to the ground, removed the fencing, and quickly stormed east towards the U.S. Capitol building. 
Officer Edwards was thrown to the ground, causing her to hit her head on concrete steps. Two proud boys from New York, Dominic Pizzola and William Pepe, were among those leading the march to the next line of security barriers. Pepe, an employee of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in upstate New York, took sick leave to travel to Washington for the January 6th events. Pepe dragged part of the fence away at the next security barrier, ensuring that USCP officers were left defenseless. The Proud Boys' actions were not spontaneous. Jeffrey Finley, a Proud Boys leader from West Virginia, later admitted, there appeared to be a coordinated effort to pull the barricades apart. Proud Boy Jeremy Bertino admitted to similar facts when pleading guilty to seditious conspiracy, stating that he believed that the purpose of traveling to Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021 was to stop the certification of the Electoral College vote and that the MOSD leaders were willing to do whatever it would take, including using force against police and others, to achieve that objective. Based on discussions he and other Proud Boys leaders had in the lead-up to January 6th, he believed that storming the Capitol would achieve the group's goal of stopping Congress from certifying the Electoral College vote. Bertino understood that storming the Capitol or its grounds would be illegal and would require using force against police or other government officials. Parallel to the Peace Circle, at the Garfield Circle walkway located at the southwest corner of the Capitol grounds, rioters breached the fencing at 12.55 p.m. and began rushing the West Plaza where they would converge with others from the Peace Circle. By 12.58 p.m., the crowd filled the lower West Plaza of the Capitol just below the inauguration stage that had been built for the ceremony scheduled two weeks later. After the initial breaches, the USCP was able to deploy enough officers to stop the rioters from advancing past the base of the inauguration stage. More importantly, rioter momentum was further halted when the first group of MPD officers arrived on scene at 1.11 p.m., almost precisely as President Trump finished his ellipses speech. The MPD officers initially pushed back the rioters on the West Plaza, slowing them down before they would later breach the Capitol. A stalemate ensued on the West Plaza before rioters were able to make any further progress. Rally-goers arriving from the ellipse provided crucial momentum. 8.4. President Trump's mob descends on the U.S. Capitol. Toward the end of his speech at the ellipse, President Trump made sure an already angry crowd of his supporters stayed enraged. We fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, the president told the tens of thousands of people who had assembled at the ellipse or in the vicinity. About one minute later, President Trump directed those in attendance to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol. The president told the people they were going to try and give Republicans, including his own vice president, the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. There is enough people here to storm the Capitol, a member of the crowd said at 1.06 p.m., just as the president was concluding his remarks. Ronald Sandlin, who pleaded guilty to and has been sentenced for felonies committed on January 6th, 
including telling officers in the Capitol that you're going to die. Watched the president's speech from a nearby restaurant and live-streamed a video in which he encouraged other patriots to take the Capitol. Sandlin repeated the phrase, "Freedom is paid for with blood," several times during his video. We're getting ready to go march on Capitol Hill. We're gonna go fuck some shit up. Cody McTice, another January 6th defendant who pleaded guilty and has been sentenced, said while walking to the Capitol. McTice later added, "We're getting up front, and we're taking this shit." Ryan Nichols, who was charged with eight felonies, live-streamed a diatribe as he marched towards the Capitol at 1:40 p.m. Nichols echoed the president's unconstitutional claim that Vice President Pence had the power to decide the election himself. I'm hearing that Pence just caved. I'm telling you, if Pence caved, we're gonna drag motherfuckers through the streets. Nichols said, "Cut their heads off." Nichols yelled with his co-defendant Harkrider before encouraging others to join. Republican protesters who are trying to enter the house right now. On the way to the Capitol, Oath Keeper Jessica Watkins chatted with others in the Zello group named "Stop the Steal J6." Watkins said that 100% of the Ellipsy crowd was marching on the Capitol because it has spread like wildfire that Pence has betrayed us. As she approached the Capitol with a contingent of Oath Keepers, Watkins said, "I'm probably gonna go silent when I get there 'cause I'ma be a little busy." Donald Hazard, a three percenter from Texas who claimed to be allied with Proud Boys on January sixth, told a Washington Post reporter that he wanted his face recorded on video as he marched to the Capitol. "I want the enemy to know exactly who is coming after them," Hazard explained. Leaders of the Stop the Steal movement continued to incite the crowd during the march as well. Alex Jones of Infowars arrived at the Ellipse shortly before 9 a.m. on the morning of January 6th. After some initial difficulty gaining access to the event area, Jones was seated in the VIP section. While Jones stayed to listen to a portion of President Trump's speech, planning for the crowd's march to the Capitol was already underway, and Jones intended to leave the Ellipse early to lead the march. The origins of the plan to have Jones lead the march are unclear. Jones has publicly stated that the White House told me three days before we are going to have you lead the march. Stop the steals! Ali Alexander also believed the White House wanted him to lead a march to the Capitol. It is likely that both got that idea from Caroline Wren, a Republican fundraiser who helped organize the Ellipse event. Jones texted Wren at 12:27 p.m. asking when he should leave the Ellipse and begin the march. While Wren originally expected Jones, Roger Stone, and retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn to march to the Capitol, Stone did not attend the Ellipse rally, and so he was not present to accompany Jones on the march as planned. Additionally, while President Trump was delivering his speech, Wren asked Flynn if he was going to march with Jones. Flynn responded, "Hell no, it's freezing." While Stone and Flynn did not march. Jones and Alexander led others to the Capitol, though it is not clear how many people followed them. 
Jones and Alexander gathered with Jones's camera and security crew just outside the event perimeter, near Freedom Plaza, to discuss their plans. The discussion, recorded by Alex Jones's film crew, sheds some light on what Jones and Alexander knew about the president's plans and what they intended for the march. The group, which included Infowars host Owen Schroyer, huddled outside the Ellipse security perimeter to discuss how best to proceed. They tried to predict the presidential motorcade's route to the Capitol. The video shows Alex Jones telling his crew, I think the Wren lady, where is she at? She knows what they said they were going to do. Everything she said has been accurate, so we need to call her real quick. They then decided to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue, as the president had directed in his speech. Schreier recommended the group wait for President Trump to finish speaking, and they agreed to at least delay their departure from Freedom Plaza to allow Jones to gather a crowd. Jones began speaking from his bullhorn imploring people to gather and walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. While using the bullhorn, Jones told the crowd that they were experiencing the Second American Revolution and stated, Let's go take our country back. Trump is only minutes away. Let's start marching to the Capitol peacefully. Proud Boys were among the crowd Jones gathered during his march. Matthew Walter, Matthew Walter, president of a Tennessee chapter of the organization, was near the National Mall with two other Proud Boys from Tennessee and decided to join Jones. Other, more prominent members of the Proud Boys appear to have been in contact with Jones and Schroyer about the events of January 6th and on that day. Records for Enrique Tarrio's phone show that while the attack on the Capitol was ongoing, he texted with Jones three times and Schroyer five times. Ethan Nordine's phone records reflect that he exchanged 23 text messages with Schroyer between January 4th and 5th, and that he had one call with him on each of those days. Records of Joseph Bix's communications show that he texted with Schroyer eight times on January 4th and called him at approximately 11.15 a.m. on January 6th, while Bix and his fellow Proud Boys were marching at and around the Capitol. Once they had marched the length of Pennsylvania Avenue and reached the west side of the Capitol, Jones and Alexander used a bullhorn to continue directing those around them to the east side, making further references to President Trump's alleged imminent arrival. A video recorded by a rally-goer at 1.51 p.m. shows Jones and Alexander standing together as Jones encourages the crowd to proceed to the east side of the Capitol. He tells those listening that, We've got a permit on the other side. It's great that this happened, but Trump's not going to come when we've taken this over. We are not Antifa. We are not BLM. Jones has repeatedly claimed that he tried to calm the crowd, but his actions also coincided with two police line breaches and one breach of the Capitol building itself. At 1.57 p.m., minutes after Jones encouraged rally-goers to move east, Newly arrived protesters breached the bike rack fencing used to keep the crowd away from the east side steps. After the breach, police retreated to the base of the large set of steps behind them and the crowd moved forward to meet the newly established police line. Jones followed shortly behind the crowd that led the initial east fence breach and his arrival coincided with the next breach up the east stairs. Publicly available video shows Jones already departed from the west side 
rounding the north side of the capital on the way to the east side at 2 p.m. As he was walking, Jones told his group, "Those fucking cops need to fucking back off, man." He was then asked about Vice President Pence, to which Jones responded, "He floundered and was neutral. He passed the ball." At the conclusion of the video, one of Jones's camera crew can be heard saying, "Let's take a break here." Let me talk to this cop to see if I can get Alex up there to de-escalate the situation. Other video released by Jones shows one of his camera crew interacting with USCP officers and asking how Jones can help de-escalate the situation. The select committee's review of the evidence showed that Jones simultaneously called on the crowd to fight and start a revolution, while occasionally peppering his rhetoric with the word "peacefully." Minutes after Jones's arrival on the scene, at approximately 2:06 p.m., rioters breached the new police line and stormed up the stairs towards the Columbus doors, also known as the Rotunda doors. The crowd's cheers and celebration as they move up the steps can be heard while Jones's camera crew negotiates with USCP officers nearby. As explained below, the rioters broke through another key breach point with Jones and Alexander on the scene just minutes later. This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please feel free to share this podcast, and of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.